Hi, and welcome to Five Minutes of Rum. Notes on rum, a few minutes at a time. My name is Kevin Up the Grove. In this episode, I'm back to the plantation line for the sixth time in 77 episodes. That sounds like a lot, but hey, it's only like 8% of the episodes so far, and TBH, I really do enjoy their rums. This is the first plantation rum I'm discussing that falls outside of their signature blend or bar classics lines. Uh, This one is a limited edition and from their 2017 single cask line. It's a Barbados rum, but there's more than just straight Barbados rum lurking behind the label. I'll also discuss a somewhat new book on the Boston cocktail scene that will provide you with recipes for months, if not years. And then I'll mix up the Marshall Island Swizzle. In fact, I'll mix it twice. That's all coming up here in episode 77 of 5 Minutes of Rum. Now, as I mentioned at the top of the show, the feature rum in this episode is Plantation Single Cask Barbados XO. This is from Plantation's Single Cask Collection, 2017 edition. This is a Barbados rum that is specially aged and specifically referred to as Plantation Barbados XO Finish MacMyra Whiskey. We'll get more into that MacMyra Whiskey bit shortly. Uh, This one is even further differentiated by being a cask selected by high-time wine cellars in Costa Mesa, California. Retailer and specialty bottlings are picking up steam across the spirits business and not just with rum. In fact, I have a bottle of 1792 whiskey. No, no, really, I have a bottle of whiskey. Um, That was from a cask selected by a local retailer to me known as Wade's Wines. Now, for collectors, the draw is easy to see because the the reason producers, distributors, and retailers would do this um, is to get them, you know, get people to buy extra bottles or additional bottles. Um, and obviously for producers, distributors, and retailers, it's just as easy to see, easy to see why they would do it. Uh, it's a way for a retailer who is a good customer of a producer and distributor to get something uh, specific to them that will drive customer traffic. And producers get to use scarcity as a way to nudge prices up on specialty bottles without impacting their regular spirit line. So with that said, let's first uh, taste this uh, rum, and then we'll get into a little bit more about the specifics about how it's made. Now, the um, the... Bottle comes in the plantation bottle design. Um, well, this is the bottle design that is absolutely loved by checkout clerks everywhere as the twine that wraps it almost always blocks part of the barcode. Uh, this one came in a box, so that's less of an issue, uh, but the wrap on the bottle always seems to stymie clerks when they scan, so I can't, indeed I won't, let it go unmentioned any longer. Uh, there's a photo of the box and, of course, the bottle in the show notes if you want to see that. Now, this is the standard plantation 750 milliliter bottle made of thick, clear glass, go along with the word plantation embossed on the bottle of the bottle. Uh, the plastic top of the stopper is attached to a cork. Uh, the labels are nicely done and they're in line with plantation's current branding. Uh, there's a bit of information on the front label talking about the different agings and the cask and the bottle numbers and a line that mentions specifically selected for high time liquor. The back label is standard copy for this line of rums, uh, not specific to this style. Um, and what does the rum itself look like? Well, in the bottle, it's a, it's a light brown, kind of like a light maple syrup. And the glass, it looks a tad lighter than that. And when held up to the light, there's some transparency. So you can see through it, even if you're not going to read through it. Um, now, when it comes to aroma, nosing this rum from the bottle gets you the first indication that things are a little bit different with this rum. Now, one of the most dominant notes I pick up on it is smoke, but it's not the smokiness sometimes associated with those old Demerara, those old Lemonheart rums where people would refer to it as being smoky. Uh, this is more of a, a whiskey, specifically a whiskey smoke. Um, it's ex- um, you know, expectedly more pronounced when you breathe it from the glass once you've had a chance to pour it out and it has a chance to aerate a little bit more. Um, and I am by no means a single malt scotch drinker, let alone uh, an aficionado. But from what little I know from that world, it's coloring my impression of this rum. Um, so it's given me the uh, impression that this is a peaty aroma. I can't actually vouch for that because I don't know my scotch whiskey, but that's the impression I'm getting based on what little I do know. 
Uh, I'm also picking up some wood notes from the barrel. Uh, not too much heat or astringency and maybe a little bit of sugar on the, on the back end of that uh, aroma. Now again, everything in, in the glass stirs up a little bit more astringency, but it's still restrained. Uh, the rum is bottled at 81.2 proof, so maybe that's not too shocking that you're not getting too much of that heat for, on the nose. Um, some might say, might say nothing's shocking, but I digress again. Uh, Taste-wise, I'm going to take a small sip here and swirl it around to condition my mouth. And then on a subsequent sip, which I'll take right now. Ah, the smokiness really made itself known again. Uh, but this time allowed for a more traditional rum taste that was intertwined with it. So the first sip I took when I swirled it around, pretty much all I got was the smokiness. And then on that second swip, sip, excuse me, once I'd conditioned my mouth, I got a little bit more of the rum mixing in with that smoke. Now, I will admit that when I first enjoyed a dram of this rum, I was caught off guard. I wasn't really sure what to expect. I certainly wasn't expecting um, a sort of a whiskey smokiness to it. Um, I've had my fair share of plantation rums, and this was unlike any of them and not what I was expecting. Now, um, I'm up to my third and fourth go around with this rum, and I'm getting more in tune with what it offers. Uh, the and the taste does align well with the nose, so there's no disconnection between with what you smell and what you drink. Um, so to go along with that, there is a little bit of sweetness and a little bit of warmth to go along with that smokiness. Uh, the finish, I'd call the finish fairly complex. It, it certainly does linger um, with the heat on the back of the throat sort of faintly fading and rising. It kind of pulses in and out a little bit as, as you uh, swallow the rum. Uh, the rum and smoke continue to linger with the smoke eventually winning out. That's kind of the distinguishing characteristic, and that's the last impression you're left with when you're done with the glass. Uh, I will caution if you don't like that feeling of smoke hanging out in your mouth and throat that this this rum may not be for you. Um, summary, the rum, this rum caught me off guard because of my expectations of plantation. That said, it's a nice diversion from those preconceptions. And once I got more into what it was trying to do and how it was trying to experiment, um, I enjoyed it more on its own merits. Uh, because of the limited production, and then I'll get to that limited production bit shortly, I think I'm only going to try one or two cocktails with this, and then I'm going to enjoy the rest of the bottle neat. Um, if it were a regular run rum, in other words, if it was going to be an ongoing concern, uh, this would be a fun rum to experiment with in cocktails. Uh, for me, it would probably take a lot of trial and error to get the flavors right and get it balanced with some other ingredients. Uh, that said, it's going you know, next to the other plantation quote-unquote vintage rums on my shelf, and I'll pour that out probably a couple ounces at a time. Now, a little bit about plantation and a little bit more specifically about this rum. Um, what did I say this was? My sixth show on a plantation rum? You guys know plantation. Uh, but every day someone is born that hasn't seen the Flintstones or heard about plantation rum. So here's a short plantation recap. Uh, plantation rum was born through Alexander Gabriel, with, who got his start in 1989 with Cognac Production. Uh, rum entered the picture for him in the mid-1990s, or sometime in the 1990s, I shouldn't say mid, as Mr. Gabriel traveled to the Caribbean, uh, pulling stocks of rums from various islands and regions. Plantation built its reputation by taking these barrels of Caribbean rum and then aging them again in France in French cognac casks. If you want to hear more from Mr. Gabriel himself about the uh, rum production, uh, just generally plantations process. And I assure you, if you're listening to this show, then uh, one, you like rum, and two, you're listening to podcasts. So this is something you should go check out. Uh, go get an episode of the Shift Drink podcast where he's the featured interview. The hosts do an entertaining interview with him that goes by very quickly. And there's a link to that August 30th, 2017 episode of Shift Drink in the show notes. Now, specifically about this plantation, Barbados XO single cask. As I mentioned earlier, this rum is part of Plantation's 2017 single cask collection. There's a link to the entire lineup in the show notes, 
as you might expect, this is a limited uh, run that is one and done. So don't get too attached and create a cocktail centered around one of these rums or do so at the risk of your own disappointment once the cask runs dry. There's a couple of other bottles I have my eye on, like the Plantation Haiti XO Finish Pierre Ferrand Dry Curacao and the Plantation Reunion 13-year-old Finish uh, Calvados XO that I may seek out online if they're not already gone. The rums in this line would normally be part of the Vintages line. Uh, those are the plantation rums that typically will have a label denoting a specific island and a year. For example, Jamaica in 2002. These specially selected vintage Vintages rums follow the expected double aging from plantation, including a cognac cask. Um, now, then they're finished in, in these ones, and specifically in the cask finish, they're uh, finished in speci specifically selected other casks to impart something unique on the rum. So the ones I just mentioned would have been uh, Calvados uh, cask or dry curacao to give those kind of flavors. Um, you know, this one is the uh, is the whiskey finish. Now, hopefully the result of this extra cask aging is added, complex added complexity and not simply a gimmick. And I think in this case, the finish isn't really a gimmick at all, and it made for an unusual Barbados rum. The Plantation Single Cask Barbados XO is aged four years in Barbados in bourbon casks, then transported to France for four more years in Pierre Ferrand casks, then it's one year to a McMyra whiskey cask. So let's talk about this rum's particular finishing move, I mean finishing cask. Uh, what's this McMyra whiskey bit all about? Well, MacMyra is a Swedish whiskey company, and if you're scoring at home, the Swedes go with a no E for whiskey. Uh, MacMyra produces single malt whiskeys and is located in the MacMyra village from which it takes its name. Uh, I'm not going to get sucked into trying to pronounce a bunch of Swedish place names. I'm going to leave you to do that homework yourself. There's a link in the show notes you can follow if you want to check that out. This, the distillery was founded fairly recently, 2002, um, and their first whiskey release was in 2006. The whiskey is pot stilled and they age in four different types of casks, bourbon, sherry, Swedish oak, and a combo cask from American bourbon casks and Swedish oak. They age their whiskey uh, below ground and primarily bottle at cask strength, which is usually in the 60 to 65 ABV range. And now that's just a guide, not a rule. Now, again, I am not well versed in single malt whiskey and I've not heard of McMyra until I received this bottle. So I don't feel I can offer an opinion about the quality of their whiskey. But from what I've read, I can understand the idea of getting together with Plantation as an experiment in cask finishing. For the rum that was finished in McMyra cask, there are two versions. There's the Plantation Single Cask Barbados XO, which I have here, and a Plantation Barbados 16-year-old finish. From what I've read, the 16-year-old finish um, version is a lot less smoky with and used a different McMyra barrel finish. Oh, and the collaboration with Pierre, uh, with Plantation went both ways. In 2016, Plantation had aged a whiskey, so this bottle, this bottling of uh, rum in a whiskey cask was a bit of a turnabout from that other collaboration. Now, my particular bottle of single uh, Plantation single cask Barbados XO is cask number two in bottle 306. I read on a Swedish blog, and by the way, thank you to Google Translate, uh, that the total number of bottles is around 3,000 for the McMyra variants. Um, I don't know if the high time bottles are part of that 3000, but I would probably guess that they are. In any case, there ain't a ton of this out there. So um, it is bottled, as I mentioned earlier, at a precise 40.6 ABV, also known as 81.2 proof. The 750 milliliter bottle is still available at least at at least one online retailer that I saw. That was the Whiskey Exchange in the UK. Now, last time I checked, it was no longer listed for sale at high time, so you can't get it there. It'll take some effort to track one down. Um, is kind of what I'm sensing if, if this is something that is interesting to you. Um, but if it, if it does sound interesting, then it could be worth the effort. 
Now, all that said, I recently visited Jason Alexander, also known as Tiki Commando on the gram, at his new bar in Tacoma, Washington called The Devil's Reef. Uh, you guys may know Jason Alexander as the proprietor of uh, Tacoma Cabana. He's just recently opened a second bar about, uh, I don't know, half a mile away called Devil's Reef. That bar opened in January of 2018, uh, and I strongly recommend that you check it out uh, if you're in the area, and I strongly recommend you travel to it if you're not in the area. That's what we did. Um, there should be pictures of this bar on the Five Ends of Rome website soon. Uh, it features great original cocktails that are full of intrigue and spice, and it's in a space that is themed uh, as though it were a, sun a sunken ship. So anyway, Jason has many bottles of this particular plantation single-cask Barbados XO rum lining a shelf in the back bar. You can see photographic proof in the show notes. Now, word is that a fair amount of this particular style of rum ended up between or with uh, Jason Alexander and as well as Martin Kate. So maybe visit their bars and you can just enjoy some that way if you aren't able to track one down online. Now I'd like to take a few minutes to talk about a newish cocktail book called Boston Cocktails Drunk and Told by Frederick Yarm. I say newish as it was published in the sp in spring of 2017, and now as this episode comes out, it's coming up on just about a year that it's been out in uh, in publication. I've had it on my own personal book stacks for a while, and I've even made a few drinks from its pages, even though I haven't until now taken the opportunity to bring it up here on the show. So it's probably best to start with the author. Frederick Yarm is a writer and bartender from the Boston area, as the book title may have suggested. Uh, I came to Mr. Yarm's writing by way of the uh, Cocktail Virgin blog, and I'm pretty sure I came to his blog by way of the uh, former the, the activity formerly known as Mixmo or Mixology Monday. Uh, Mixmo was an online event held monthly where a group of cocktail writers and bloggers would create a cocktail that was a riff on a specific theme for that month. They, they'd write up an article and, they, and then they would all be linked from the main uh, Mixmo article for that particular month. Now, though I often read the articles, I'm willing to admit that I never actually participated. Um, anyway, aside from contributing, Frederick also ran Mixmo for four and a half years until it was laid to rest with an Irish wake in February of 2017. Oh, and I've also mentioned Frederick on the show a couple times before, once in episode 44, where one of his posts inspired a cocktail of my own, and then in episode 51, when I discussed the painkiller and made a cocktail from Drunk and Told, uh, the book that I just mentioned that I hadn't made any drinks from on the show, but actually did, uh, that drink was The Gorillas on Deck. Uh, link to those shows are in the show notes if you need them, and they're also on the episode guide at 5minutesofrum.com slash episode dash guide. Now, uh, Frederick talks about his own way into bartending in the book uh, from being a hobbyist writing, you know, writing not only on his site, but also publishing his first book, uh, Drink and Tell, in 2012. I'll leave the whole story as, of his journey from writer into bartending for his book, but I got to admit, I do daydream a little bit when I think of his story. Uh, one of the things I most admire about Frederick, and I've said this on here before, on this show before, is the consistency and work ethic I see simply from his writing and his posting to Instagram. Uh, his blog features a different cocktail recipe, photo, and description every day. Uh, it's a very model of consistency. I remember when I first subscribed to his site, and hey, RSS is still a thing if, you, uh, if you're into that sort of you know, uh, way of subscribing. Um, I was saving his recipes left and right and leaving articles unread just because there were so many that I wanted to give a try, uh, give a try to. Uh, it was actually later that I realized I wasn't going to be able to keep up with the volume because he was posting every day. And you know what? I could probably just go back and search his blog when I wanted to go find a recipe to make. Or better yet, now I can refer to the second book. Uh, so what's this book all about? Um, as you might imagine from the title, it's about cocktails from the Boston cocktail scene. Uh, it's a sequel to uh, the book I mentioned he published in 2012 called Drink and Tell. And the bulk of the book is made up of recipes. There's actually over 850 recipes 
called uh, by the author, uh, not only his recipes, of course, that would be a lot of recipes, but also any number of cocktail professionals, bars, and restaurants in the Boston area. Seriously, on cocktails alone, there is a staggering amount of possibility within this book. Um, I don't imagine I will ever try them all, but I'm willing to bet in, that anyone with an interest in cocktails will find plenty inside to in, inside the book to enjoy. Uh, it's also by no means rum exclusive, but there are many, many recipes featuring rum. Uh, and anecdotally, it seems that over the last five years or so, as cocktail culture has embraced tropicals and tiki cocktails, I've seen more and more rum and tiki get into uh, Frederick's site, and that's represented in the book as well. Now, aside from the recipes, the book also features a number of entertaining and enlightening essays on bartending and hospitality, also write-ups on some Boston bartender VIPs, and then some notes on technique and ingredients. Now, personally, I found a lot to enjoy in the essays just from a curious outsider point of view. I spent some time in bars, um, but except in the case of home bars, I'm always on the side that's getting served. So in that way, I'm interested to hear what, what it's like on the other side of the bar where you are the one doing the serving and sort of have to offer the hospitality and the, and the management aspect of it and, and interact with the guests. So I find that particularly interesting. Uh, with the recipes in the, main se- in the main section of the book, I find it to be enjoyable kind of just to turn the pages and skim the ingredients and making a note of the ones I want to go back and try. Uh, needless to say, my copy of this book got dog-eared pretty swiftly once I got it. And it was in flipping those pages recently, soon after getting my bottle of Plantation Single Cask Barbados XO, uh, that I ran across a recipe that I wanted to try as part of this discussion. And that recipe is the Marshall Islands Swizzle. This is from page 207 in Drunk and Told, and it was created in 2012 by a bartender named Scott Marshall from the Hawthorne in Boston, Massachusetts. The name of the cocktail comes from both the creator and also references the Marshall Islands. The Marshall Islands are located in the Pacific Ocean near the equator, and west of the International Dateline, and they are part of the Micronesia Island Group. There's a link to learn a lot more about the Marshall Islands in the show notes. I recommend you go read up on it. The cocktail itself is a pretty straightforward swizzle, and I do appreciate a good swizzle. Uh, The recipe itself, two ounces of Plantation Barbados rum. I'm using the Plantation 5, and I'll get to the XO version in just a moment. One half ounce of ginger syrup. There's a recipe if you need that in episodes 27 and 68. One half ounce of honey syrup. That's a one to one or a two to one mix of honey syrup. I usually use about one and a half to one. I'm kind of mixing around a little bit. I want to get some honey flavor, but I don't want it to be, uh, you know, too sweet. Um, anyways, half ounce of that honey syrup and then one ounce of lime juice. Add all of those ingredients to a Collins glass, then fill that Collins glass with crushed ice and swizzle it until the glass frosts over. And then add more ice to fill it and stir. And then garnish that with about five to six dashes of Angostura bitters and then drop in a swizzle stick and a straw. Now, uh, tasting, I did make this one with both, like I mentioned, the standard Plantation 5 and the Plantation Single Cask Barbados XO. I just had to try it once, although I will not not be doing that again because of the rum's limited quantity, as I mentioned before. Now, uh, when you you sip the cocktail before stirring in the bitters, you do get a bite from the ginger syrup and the lime, and then you get a nice mellow rum backing because the Plantation 5 is a good solid rum, but it's not too assertive. And then once the bitters are more incorporated and you stir that up a little bit, the finish change in the kind of changes and kind of lengthens out a little bit because you start to sip it a little bit slower. Uh, it's really refreshing, like a good swizzle should be, so I appreciate that. And then when I made this with the Plantation Single Cask Barbados XO, uh, the smoke element of the rum really dominated everything else. So I liked it okay, but I don't think that is what the cocktail author was setting out to do when they created this recipe. Uh, so I probably wouldn't make that on a regular basis, even if this were an unlimited supply of this plantation, uh, Smoky Barbados XO. 
Um, I'd actually probably work on a different cocktail to feature that rum. Maybe some sort of grog since there's already a little bit of spice in there. Maybe maybe a little bit of smoke. Uh, but alas, I just have the one bottle. So for now, it's just going to be for sipping. But do make the plantain, excuse me, do make that Marshall Island Swizzle. Uh, again, it's good. It's straightforward. It doesn't take too many esoteric ingredients. And it's a nice refreshing drink, especially when the weather starts to heat up. That's it for the show. Thank you for listening. The show links are up on the 5 Minutes of Rum website. That's number 5, minutesofrum.com. The show is also on iTunes as 5 Minutes of Rum. You can subscribe. You can rate the show. You can leave and leave a review. The show is also on Twitter and Instagram as 5 Minutes of Rum. That's the at symbol, number 5, Minutes of Rum. Please send any corrections, comments, feedback, or requests via the 5 Minutes of Rum website or Twitter or Instagram. And now, go get some rum.